okay? Uh, Brother Dave, uh, would you uh, walk back through why I uh, introduced this message uh, in Nehemiah and pass out the handout? If anybody wants one, you wave at him. He'll give you one. You don't have to take one, but they're available for you. Now, some people from time to time, they'll ask different questions about, uh, you know, I thought I heard part of that message somewhere before, and you may have, because us pastors uh, not only sit down and study the Word of God, but sometimes when we go, for example, like I go to a pastor's fellowship and a, a preacher gets up and he's feeding other preachers, we get outlines from them, and they're not... Uh, there's no uh, patent on them, so we can feel free to use one another's messages. So sometimes we get messages from other preachers. Also, we read a lot of books, and uh, some book that I can recommend to you, I think he wrote about uh, David and also about Nehemiah. His name is Alan Redpath. He was from England. He wrote a number of books. Uh, he's... Uh, home with the Lord now. He passed away in the 80s. Uh, other places that you can find out of and study things about Nehemiah is a book that Warren Wearsby put together. So there's another source where we have gotten material from. Uh, Warren is now also home with the Lord. I think he passed away last year. What a tremendous Bible scholar he was. If you ever have an opportunity to get what they call the B-series, get them. We have the B-series, I think, complete set down in our library. He was a tremendous uh, man of God. Then uh, also, uh, the PowerPoints that we use lots of times, many of them, not all of them, but many of them were put together by another pastor by the name of uh, Pastor Jerry Shirley. He does a fantastic job on PowerPoint and also I've uh, gotten things from him on his studies at various times. He preached on a number of series, including Nehemiah. So all of those sources were used. We like to give credit to people when we uh, put messages together. So that's why I took the time. I should have done this at the beginning of our series on Nehemiah, but now you know. And uh, I just wanted you to know that. All right, we already read Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17, and uh, we want to talk a little bit more about vision. We already addressed it two weeks ago, but we want to dwell on it a little bit more. I believe that really you can say it's the number one distinguishing mark of a leader. Uh, it is what causes leaders to rise to the top of the bucket of cream, can we say. Uh, it is what separates uh, leaders from followers. I believe it's what separates uh, uh, mediocre leaders from great ones. I, I believe that with all my heart. Uh, leaders understand the value of vision. Verse 17, Nehemiah said, and let me paraphrase it. You guys see broken down walls and charred gates. I see it too. But I see new ones surrounded by a sparkling city filled with much happier people. Now it's in the future, but it's going to happen. I had that vision. I had that dream. Uh, how did he see that? 
I believe he saw it with his mind's eye. Now, we're not being spooky here or into new age stuff, but you'll see as we go along, we all ought to have a mind's eye to see things. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by what? Sight, okay? That means that we have a vision. Uh, not of, of the way things are, but of the way that they ought to be or they will be. Now, we don't know everything about heaven. We certainly don't know a lot about eternity. But you know what? I know I'm going there. I know I'm going to be there all that time. I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing. But I know it's going to be a whole lot better than what I'm doing here. Although I'm enjoying life here too. Amen? We should be enjoying life when we're serving the Lord. Uh, Romans 4.17, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. I think of Proverbs also, 29.18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, we often preach, or I have heard preach, this verse as a soul-winning verse. Uh, and if we don't get a vision for the lost... Uh, they will perish. That's one reason God left us here, to get the good, good news out to other ones, that they can be saved too and enjoy the peace and uh, the excitement that we have uh, here as we serve the Lord on this earth. Now, uh, that's a good application, but I don't know that that's a primary interpretation. Now, some might disagree with me, and when you get to heaven, you'll find out I was right, as I often say. It's really about us getting a vision, or we will perish. I mean, if we, uh, how, you say, well, what do you mean there? Well, if we just sit around and we enjoy coming out to the service on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday night, and we don't do anything out in the world to reach people, <laughs> not much going to happen here. It's all, always good to see a full house, uh, almost a full house today. That's a great thing. But we need to be busy for the Lord, too. Not only coming here and worshiping him, but doing what he asks us to do when we're out into our own world. Uh, let's look at our first point today, the definition of vision. Uh, the Hebrew word uh, that we get this word vision from is C-H-A-Z-O-N, kazan, which has three meanings. The first meaning is open revelation. People perish if there's no open revelation. Aren't you glad that you have the full, revealed, complete word of God? I have it in my hand. Some of you have it on your lap, right in front of you. There it is. God has revealed himself through his word, through creation. Through Jesus Christ, they say that many times they, uh, missionaries go into places where the people have never been uh, contacted or never reached. And sometimes, although they don't understand who Jesus is, they know the name. They don't know exactly what it means, but they know the name. And I think as you study history, uh, the name of Jesus is known by many, many people. I've talked to many Muslims. They recognize Jesus. They don't recognize him as Savior, but they even mention him in their scriptures. 
but they need to be told who he really is, that he is their savior and what he did for them. Uh, so uh, it's wonderful to have all the scripture before us. We don't have to add anything to it. Now, a lot of cults like to take away from it, but there's no need to add anything to it, and we certainly are not going to take away from it. There's a scripture in Revelation that tells us that would not be a good thing to do. We won't turn to that, but many of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the book tells us what we need to know, what we need to know about God and salvation, and what we need to know about how to live after we receive Christ as our Savior. We are sinners and our sins must be paid for and Christ took that punishment for us so we can be saved. Amen? Hope everybody here today is a born-again believer. Then the other definition, we said open revelation, dream. I said dream? Not like a dream you have in your sleep, but as in, can we say, an aspiration. Uh, your, let's use an example. Your dream home. I mean, I, I, I remember I had a dream home. Uh, I don't know that I ever got the one that I was <laughs> aspiring to, but I'm comfortable where I am. You understand? Uh, it, it's, it's what you would have if you had enough money to get it, and money was no object, right? Um, one of the teachers that I help as an aide, she went to uh, uh, Florida. Um, one of her friends or a cousin or somebody was getting married and they made a boat trip and she said, she showed me pictures of these homes along the waterfront. Huge things and uh, you know, you're paying more than a dollar ninety-eight for it, you know what I'm saying? I mean, millions of dollars of homes, it was just amazing. One home, it looked like it was on, uh, what do you call them, uh, things in the water, uh, like a, what is it? pillar or something, you know, and this thing, she, and it was all made of glass, and it actually, they could, when the water got too high, those pillars would raise it up, but listen to this, it was also a home with motors, and it could be put out onto the ocean and drive it around, and I'm saying, oh man, you talk about a dream, huh, <laughs> about dream home, I don't know that I'd want that. Then uh, we mentioned open revelation dream, a mental picture, a mental picture. The ability to see in your mind's eye the way it ought to be. Not where I am at now, but where do I want and need to be? Remember we said, whenever you are saved, the first thing you need to do is find a good church, local church, you can join where they preach the whole counsel of God. They preach God's word. And when you find it and that suits you, then get busy serving the Lord in that place. That's what you need to do. Use your talent. Use your ability, whatever it is, to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve him. Now, you merge the three together. And you need God to give you revel revelation and reveal to you what aspiration and dreams you should have 
and uh, give you the eye or the vision to see it and show you how to make it reality. It is the perfect picture. And God, if God is behind it, that's what you need. This place is not here by accident. It's, it's not still here for no reason. God has a reason to keep it here. And whoever takes over in this spot someday needs to have a vision to move it to wherever God wants it to be. And it should be better. It should be better. That's the way it should be. If you don't have a vision, you and we will perish. So what does perish mean? It doesn't mean to die or perish in hell. That's a different Hebrew word that's used. This is the Hebrew para for perish, which also has three meanings. To become naked, zero or barren. To go backwards. That's what it means. Remember when we did our book of uh, study in Revelation and the seven churches. And that God even addressed that concerning the church. We need to be careful we don't fall into that. So, putting, uh, so pulling Proverbs 28.19 all together, which we just read. Now we see that you have... Uh, see that if you have no mental picture, you will go backwards and amount to nothing. I personally believe, I don't care what your age is, you can always learn something new and put it into practice. I don't care how old you are. You can learn something new, and I think we should be constantly learning. Uh, how about learning more and growing in the Word of God? There isn't a preacher that you met yet that knows everything about this. <laughs> and we can study it. And, and not, that, uh, not that we're uh, learning, uh, not that anything new is added to this, but sometimes we sit down and we read a scripture and it's happened to me and I know it's happened to you. Say, wow, why did that jump out at me now all of a sudden? It's been there all the time, but... Oh, there it is. And you know what? It comes just at the right time. Just when you might need it for your vision that you had and for the next step that you need to take. We must have goals, visions, and dreams, each and every one of us. I think about Brother Caleb. Uh, now he's working on a doctorate. And he's young, enough, he's young enough to do that. If I was a little bit younger, I might try to get another master's, but that's okay. Uh, who knows uh, uh, what will happen. But he's working at that. Why? He wants to improve himself. Uh, he wants to move up. He wants to be successful. I'm sure he has a vision. He didn't share it with me, but I'm sure he has one. I'm sure, I'm sure Liz knows it, unless he didn't share it with her yet, but uh, she will soon. So God raises up leaders with vision, with vision. I've heard too many times and too many preachers that have been to the church, maybe three, maybe four years, maybe seven. All of a sudden they say, 
Well, folks, I just want to tell you, uh, I think God is calling me somewhere else. Now, God does that. But lots of times, uh, it's not necessarily God calling them, but uh, they want to move to a different place. Maybe, they, they, you know, they're, they're going through some hard times. Or people, certain people are giving them a rough time. Well, guess what? Wherever you think you're going to go now, you're going to find the same type of people. So why don't you just stay where God put you and ask him to change their hearts? Because you certainly can't, but God can. And keep on keeping on. Once or twice, I had a young pastor And this goes back years, and you wouldn't have any idea who it was or or not. And some of you might have run into this if we have any pastors here, uh, where they said, you know what, I I just ran out of things. I I mean, I've been here now six years, and I just just run out of things to say. And I look at them and say, what? You did? Man, you need to dig a little bit deeper because I guarantee you there's more in there than what you already went through in six or seven years. You need to dig in there a little bit deeper. Show me a church that is going backwards, and I'll show you a leader with no vision. That's the way it always is. And I think it all starts between the ears. You say, oh, man, what a picture that is. We need the mind of Christ. That will give us the perfect picture. Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Romans 12.2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, does that phrase between the ears sound a little bit more reasonable and accurate? Right behavior is preceded by right thinking. Lots of times we get into trouble with something that starts in the mind and it turns into action. Same for good. Same for good. You got a brain, use it. And the opposite is just as true. Wrong behavior doesn't just happen. It always uh, preceded by wrong thinking. Now this principle not only uh, applies to uh, behavior, but also achievement. We want to reach a goal. We want to achieve certain things. It all starts in the mind with a mental picture of where we need to be. Not our own brain's desire, but with the mind of Christ, the vision of God. We're not just going to stumble into success. Luck has nothing to do with it. What the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve Now, I'm not talking about this here stupid stuff about positive thinking mumbo-jumbo. That's not what I'm talking about. This is Bible. We already shared with you some things. We need to have the mind of Christ. Think like God. 
Let the Holy Spirit work in us, lead and guide us. Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. There it is. That's Bible. Let's be like Nehemiah. Let's get a clear mental picture of what God wants for you and me, what he wants for your family, my family, your church, my church, your life, my life. Let's find out. Don't be discouraged if not everyone sees or understands your dream. Many times they don't. <laughs> Many times they'll say, really? You think you can do that? And when I was called to preach, I had a couple people say to my mother, what? He was called to preach? You're kidding me. God called him to preach? Mom said, yeah, don't mess with it. Let it alone. God called him. Let it alone. You know what God has put in your heart, and don't let anyone steal it from you. Don't let anyone steal it from you. So, we see the definition of vision, perfect picture. Now we move to the drive of vision, the drive of vision. That's the vehicle that's going to take you places. It's the key that opens the doors of opportunity that God's going to put in your way. Thomas Edison once made this statement. Show me a man who is perfectly satisfied, and I'll show you a failure. I guess there's some truth to that. We, you know, we're, we should be progressing, especially if we're a Christian. We should be what? Maturing, growing in the Lord. We should be growing, not standing still. Let me just briefly, in history, show you some people who had no vision. Listen to some of these things. Sensible, responsible women do not want to vote. President Grover Cleveland, 1905. Can you imagine him saying that today? But he said it. There is no likelihood that man will ever tap the power of the atom. That was Nobel Prize-winning phys uh, physicist Robert Milligan in 1923. Almost uh, right up uh, Al Gore's league, if you ask me. Lord Kelvin, 1855. Flying machines heavier than the air are an impossibility. Hmm. Too bad he isn't around today to see what happens. Uh, now, kind of a contrast. When Walt Disney was alive, he had a vision of Disney World. But he died. He died before it became a reality. And at the grand opening, his surviving wife was an honored guest 
on the platform. The MC said to her, I just wish that Walt could have seen it. She replied with two words, he did. In his mind eye, he did. And it became a reality. Let me share something else with you. Some of you are picturing in your mind's eye, well, maybe not a big project, but it's a big event that you want to see happen in your heart. There's a certain relative that you have been praying for. Maybe one year, maybe two years, maybe 10 years, maybe 15 years. Been praying that they get saved. Hasn't happened yet. I know of people who have shared the testimony before they passed away about people they were praying for. In fact, they might have come up to me and say, look, I've been praying for my, well, let's pick someone, a brother for a long time. Would you pray along with me that he would get saved? Sometimes it never happens and they pass away. And sometimes at their own funeral, when they're home with the Lord, and they got the right kind of preacher at the funeral service. That person they've been praying for for X number of years receives Christ as their savior at that time. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. So Walt Disney was the first man ever to see Disney World before anyone even lifted a finger to start to work. Vision is the driving force that will take us where we need to be. Not where my life is, but where God wants my life to be. That goes for family, that goes for marriage, that goes for business, that goes for church, that goes for my ministry, that goes for your ministry. Where does God want you? Vision is the key that starts it and the spark that ignites it and the gear that gets things moving. What is vision? Perfect picture. Why is it so important? Provides passion. Provides passion. Now we come to the diversity of vision and we'll wind this up. Some have no vision. Some have no vision. They're negative. Uh, they tell you why it can't be done or shouldn't be done. They often think of themselves as realistic, but God wants to take us far beyond reality and see things happen. Things that man might look at and say impossible. But with God, all things are what? Possible. What do we sing in the chorus? God can do anything. You say, me? As I look out over the auditorium, he saved you too. I told you the story about running into a friend of mine I knew before I got saved. and I think it was a 7-Eleven. He comes in and he's laughing. I says, how you doing? He says, I understand you've got religion. 
And he's laughing. He says, I gave you six months. Well, it's more than six months now. And by the way, a couple years later, I ran into him again, and guess who else got saved? He did. But that was a different kind of reunion then. Yeah. Some have lost their vision. Some have lost their vision. They once had it, but they let it go. They might have been hurt. They might have been discouraged. They might have grew too comfortable, and they lost it. You need to be moving forward all the time. There's only one thing that is worse than having less, and that is settling for less as the norm. Did I say that right? Only one thing is worse than having less, and that is settling for less as the norm. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less than God's best. I don't care what your age, God always has something for you to do. You can always pray. Everybody needs prayer. If you don't need prayer, raise your hand. I didn't know nobody was going to do that. We all need prayer. I think about David in that song and also the study on Wednesday night. David committed some horrific sins. Terrible. You know what he could have done? (laughs) Woe is me. I'm done. I'm done. What did he do? He went to God and he asked forgiveness. Aren't you glad you have a heavenly father that forgives? And you know what else he, he does besides forgive? He forgets. <laughs> now, you know, you reap what you sow, but, and David paid a price. But God still referred to David as a man after God's own heart because he repented and he wanted God to give him a clean heart and you continue to use him. And he did. You think something in your past is keeping you from serving in some capacity for God? Well, get over it. You can serve God. Go to God. Ask forgiveness. And ask him where he can use you. And where he needs you. And he'll tell you. And give you a dream and a vision. And then go forward. Some have limited vision. We didn't hit that yet, did we? Sometimes we limit God with our limited vision. Jesus says he's good for as much as we'll believe him for. Doesn't it say, and I'm paraphrasing this, and I know it does say this. I think it's in Matthew. If we just had a tiny speck of faith, we could move mountains. And sometimes people tell us, you can't do that. That's too big. Well, I serve a bigger God than that mountain or that obstacle. 
And if God wants it, it is going to be. This place in past history could have been an apartment house. But God saw fit to continue to use it as a lighthouse in this community. Here it is. And we often pray, God, keep this place a lighthouse until you call us home to be with you. And I would love it to be right now today. Amen. He calls us out of here. I'm sorry you'd have to miss the reunion, Dan, but I think you'd have a greater reunion in heaven. Amen? Yeah. Oh, what a glorious time that'll be. We just got through Mother's Day. We've got Father's Day coming up here, and I have a message for fathers. But uh, I was thinking of my mother and, and uh, uh, all the things that we used to do together and all the trouble I gave her, but she still loved me, still took care of me, prayed for me for years to get saved, and uh, I remember when I called her, I still remember the day I called her in the morning, and I told her I got saved. It was quiet, and I knew why. She was crying on the other end. Some have limited vision. Finally, there are people with 20-20 vision, 20-20 vision, a clear vision of how things ought to be and their vision calls them to action. Calls them to action. It drives them to do more than others, to work while others rest, and to accomplish great things to the glory of God. Not themselves, but to the glory of God. This place is to the glory of God. Amen. Didn't say amen that time, but he clapped. And that's fine with me. It's coming from the right place. The future. The future of this church or a church right there sitting on Brother Dan's lap. Perfect picture provides power and propels people. When you get a vision... And you share it like Nehemiah did. We came to a verse, and I referred to the verse two weeks ago, where the people, after they heard the challenge from Nehemiah, they said to Nehemiah, let us rise up and build. That should be us, too. God has us here for a reason. And it's not just to sit there. Because you do get up and go home. It's to serve him with all of our hearts. Amen? Let's do just that. Let's pray.